Welcome to the CJOB Sports Show podcast. We are talking CFL today on the podcast. First up, Morley Scott, the voice of the Elks in Edmonton. Yes, the Elks. What do they think of the new name there and how are they feeling about their chances this season? And we'll then head to Regina, Regina, and talk to Derek Taylor, the voice of the Riders on the podcast. Talked a lot about the Blue Bombers and the CFL over the last couple days. Let's take a look at the other markets, and we'll start in Edmonton tonight with our friend Morley Scott, the voice of the Elks on 630. Ched Morley, good evening. Have you gotten used to saying Elks yet? I'm working on it every chance I get. I'm saying Edmonton Elks because I don't want to slip when the new season begins. But, yeah, it's, uh, it's starting to roll off the tongue a little easier. So take us back to when the name was announced. First of all, was this what was expected? And second of all, what's been the reception? I think it was pretty pretty much what was expected, Christian. I I think Elks and Elk were kind of the front runners, and that was kind of the one everyone thought they would go to, and and the football team decided they would add the S on it, and I think that's a little little smoother to say it that way. And I believe they kind of – but if we if we go with elk, then half the people are going to call us elks anyway. So we might as well go all the way. And so they went with elks, and they they did check with some linguistic experts, and they checked, I believe, with the Oxford Dictionary people, and it is indeed the plural of elk and can be used as the plural of elk. So uh, that's how they move forward uh, with it. Uh, it was uh, it was kind of nice to get it over with. Kind of nice to get the announcement after about uh, ten months of of waiting through the name change and the. Uh, I, I, the reception was pretty good. Fans immediately, I, I, I posted, we broadcast live from the event on, uh, well, I guess two weeks ago yesterday, and I put out some pictures on Twitter right away of, of the logo, of the jersey, of the helmet, of some of the merchandise, and people were really excited about it. It was a, it was overwhelmingly in favor of the move, and people really liked what they have done with their merchandise. And then over the next week, uh, merchandise went fast. It was just flying off their uh, shelves on their website. In fact, uh, the, uh, the people at the club said that they sold about as much merchandise in a week as they would normally sell in three home games with crowds of thirty-five to 40,000. So merchandise went fast. They've got a waiting list now. Some people have ordered stuff, and it's not in stock, and they're waiting. So it's gone over well. We're starting to see now just a little sprinkle of, of people wearing an Elks hat or an Elks T-shirt around town. So it's starting to catch on. I saw pictures of you, Morley, and you had quite the flow going. Was that a pandemic flow from, like, before March 2020? Did you not get a haircut until this week? Yeah. Did you see a picture recently of me? It's very different now. Yeah, you got I a buzz dead. I uh, went over a year without a haircut, and I have uh, some family members who uh, grew up with juvenile diabetes, uh, including a, a nephew, and now his daughter has it, and uh they do a thing every year where they uh, they raise money and and participate in a walk and shave their heads and so I took part in that and we were the uh, uh, just to my own horn here we were the uh, the, the largest grossing team uh, in the event in Edmonton we were in the top twenty in Canada and we raised just over nine thousand dollars for juvenile wow. diabetes. And now my new Elks hat fits me a little bit better. <laughs> I would imagine. So that's awesome. Congrats on that. And it's something that you can get away with a little more when you work on radio, right? You can grow it out a bit more. Absolutely. It doesn't matter. You can wear a hat when you're on the air on, on radio or, or put a hood up for sure. So, yeah, uh, I, I get away. I'm you know, working from home still. I'm getting away with a lot of things because of uh, because I work on radio. I mean, uh, I got a... I got about a four. I got about a four-step commute, and uh, the dress code is usually uh, sleep pants and t-shirts to start the day. I'm doing the morning sports here on 6:30. Chad. 
Well, I've been doing my show from my kitchen table since April of last year, so I, I know exactly what you're talking about. Soon, though, we'll be able to go into football stadiums, and that's going to be an awesome feeling. Edmonton is uh, going to be opening the season against Ottawa at home August 7th. They played the, the, the one team the Bombers play three times this year is the Elks, and their first meeting is uh, September 18th in Edmonton. Let's actually talk about football because we haven't had a chance to in so long. What are the expectations of this team this year? You know, that's an excellent question. Uh, I, I was talking with uh, Greg Ellingson today, Elks receiver, and, and we were kind of batting that around a bit about expectations and what kind of expectations can you have on any team this year? I mean, all the players are coming back after a year away. Uh, personnel changed for 2020 and then changed again now for 2021. So I, I think it's really going to be difficult to put expectations on teams moving forward. I know the Elks are pretty happy with the moves they have made and the team that they're going to send to training camp on July the 10th. Uh, they made some pretty key additions, I think, especially on offense, adding, uh, bringing Darrell Walker back and then adding um, – uh, uh, some some good talent in, in other positions as well, including James Wilder Jr. Uh, at running back. So uh, I think they're going to have a really good offense. Trevor Harris can get the ball out and, and, and is, has great accuracy. So I, I think their offense will be fun. Uh, the big changes they made is in that defensive backfield, which I think was the weak spot uh, for the football club in 2019. But, uh, you know, they have made some changes. They've added uh, they signed Jonathan Mincy for 2020. He'll be here for 21. They signed Jonathan Rose. Uh, Aaron Grimes is back. So I, I think they made some changes there that will help them. Uh, they're also going to have, and we'll have to wait and see how it plays out at the linebacker spot because they pretty much will have a, a new linebacker core. Uh, and the biggest question is who's going to be that middle linebacker. And I think that'll be something that will be one of the hotly contested positions at training camp for the Elks. Uh, Kevin Brown who came over from Ottawa as a free agent, is the guy who might have a leg up right now. Vontae Diggs also in the mix for not only middle linebacker spot, but also uh, for the will linebacker spot as well. So the defense, there's going to be some questions. They lost Elmondo Sewell on the D-line as well, but uh, you know they added Sean Lemon. Uh, they've got a pretty good-looking defensive line, I think. But uh, offensively, I believe they'll be fine. Defensively is kind of a wait-and-see thing right now to see how the new pieces fit in. Who do you think is the weak link in the West? That's a good question. I, 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 it's hard to say because, I mean, you look at so many teams. You got, you got questions in Calgary. If uh, I'm sure Bo Levi Mitchell's fine, will he come back and play like he played before he was injured? Uh, is Cody Fajardo for real? He had a great year in in 2019 and became the starter. Is he that guy, or did he just have a great year? Uh, can he continue to produce and continue to get better? What's going on with the BC Lions? I mean, they were they were atrocious last time we saw them play in 2019. They've made some changes. How much better will they be with a new coaching staff and a new system? Uh, then there's the fact I I, I really want to see Christian about a lot of the older players in the league guys who are in that 34, 35, 36 range, and, and for a lot of teams that's at the quarterback spot, uh, how they come back. Did, did a year off refresh them and make the make their bodies uh, a little more healthier and, and able to play more, or did they lose a step because they got a little bit rusty? And there's a lot of players who fit in that category on both sides of the football for every team, and I'm going to be watching carefully to see how those guys come back and play. I noticed it particularly when you look to Toronto, I mean, uh, uh, especially on their D-line, Odell Willis and Charleston Hughes, uh, both great players, both Hall of Famers, but did they lose anything by not playing in 2020? That's what we're going to have to wait and find out. So, I, I, again, I think it's really hard to 
what expectations or or, or call uh, any team a weak link a weak link moving in into the new season because there's just so much that's unknown right now. And for those who may have missed it over the course of the time that there was no football, Scott Milanovic was named head coach, left, <laughs> and now Jamie Elizondo is the head coach of the team, and he was named uh, that position back at the start of February, and that's I mean there hasn't been really a chance for him to do much with the team because we haven't had any opportunity to get on the field yet. Yeah, that's that's another you know a, a variable that you have to take into account too. He's a he's a brand new head coach. He hasn't been a head coach before. He's been in the league for a lot of years. He's coached for a lot of years, but it's his first crack at being a head coach. Uh, I think his offensive system will work, especially with the players he has because a lot of those players were in that system in Ottawa when they put up really big numbers with the Red Blacks in, what would that be, uh, 16, 17, and 18. So uh, I I think as an offensive coordinator, he'll be fine. He'll probably make some mistakes and do some learning along the way as a head coach. And today, uh, the Elks had a a big loss on their coaching staff as uh, A.J. Gass has left the team, uh, special teams coordinator and linebackers coach, uh, for personal reasons he has had uh, to leave the team. So... They got to go out and find a special teams coordinator. Like we're three weeks from training camp, and they don't have a special teams coordinator. They need to get a linebackers coach as well. So there are some question marks now for the Elks and their coaching staff. What's the COVID situation like in Alberta right now? It's impossible to say what it's going to look like on the first weekend of August. But what are we thinking about? How many people might be able to go see games when the season starts? Well, I'm just checking the app right now. Seventy uh, percent is the mark that the government has put on uh, opening things wide up, and that would be after, they say two weeks after we hit seventy percent vaccinated with their first vaccination, then they will open things wide up. So, as I look at the app right now, uh, Alberta currently sits at sixty nine point seven three eight percent. So nice. we're just a handful of people away from uh, hitting that seventy percent mark for vaccination, and that will open it wide up. So uh, there are there is belief that that Alberta could be wide open by the Canada Day weekend, and that certainly is a, is before training camp starts. And they believe by the time August seventh and the home opener rolls around, there'll be absolutely no restrictions on or capacity limits on fans in Edmonton at Commonwealth or in Calgary at McMahon Stadium. And that's for first doses. That's for first doses, 70%, yes. And and I can uh, give you an update. Alberta's at 23% for the second doses. Okay. So now I think I've been reading a lot of lately. Yeah, well, I think we're actually, we we were already over 70% for first doses here. And uh, I think we're... We're going to be a little less aggressive in our opening, I think, is what what we've heard so far. We're going to wait till some second doses are, are higher up, and I think we're going to hit our targets. So just a last question for you, Morley. Just what's the feeling now? Is it, a, is it a kind of a rosy, optimistic feeling now that football is finally back and we're only, well, but four, four and a half weeks away from training camp opening up? Yeah, I think uh, there's a lot of excitement in this town, particularly Christian. I think two weeks ago they had the announcement about the name and the branding, and everybody got to to see the merch and the and the helmet with the with the antlers on it and the whole thing. And then two weeks after that, the league votes to uh, return to play on August 5th. The schedule comes out yesterday. There's been a lot of CFL and Edmonton Elks talk in this town over the last two weeks, which is which is real exciting. I know I got to go down to the stadium for the reveal 
couple of weeks back. And uh, it was so, so cool to be around people and talking football again for a brief, uh, for a brief time, bit of time for about a, an hour, hour and a half or so uh, a couple of weeks ago. So yeah, uh, there's, there's a lot of excitement brewing in Edmonton for CFL football. There's a lot of people, there's a lot of chatter on online and on Twitter about, you know, when do we find out about our season tickets and, and all that stuff. So yeah, there's excitement for sure. I'm sure, I'm sure it's going to be building in every city moving forward over the next couple of weeks. I said four and a half. My math is bad. There's 14 days left in June. Then to July 10th, it's 24 days. That is three and a half weeks, folks. That is not that far away from the start of training camp. Morley, appreciate your time as always, and we'll check in as we get closer to kickoff. Thanks for this. You bet. Always good to talk to you, Christian. Take care. That is Morley Scott. He is the voice of the Elks on 630 Ched in Edmonton. I can guarantee you all of us are going to accidentally not say the Elks. At some point, we will say their old names. I know Bob did already, Irving, when I had him on the show on Monday. It's going to happen to all of us. It'll take time, and we'll be fine. (music) CFL football, not that far away. A big week this week. And to see what the mood is like in Regina, we are joined by Derek Taylor, host of the Sports Cage and the voice of the Rough Riders. Derek, how are you doing tonight? Uh, Deliriously happy. Like all of Saskatchewan, deliriously happy. So when the news comes out on Monday, is it just party time? Oh, pretty much, because you're like, okay, well, now we're going to do this. You know, what's the schedule like, and where are we going to go, and how many games are we going to be at home? Oh, they're going to be heavy home early? Okay, well, I'll be ready for that in August. And, oh, my goodness, can you believe Cody Fajardo's back? Can't wait to see him again. And, oh, so many storylines, and we've just – it's been 580 days since Clank off the crossbar that – we, it, it, there's so much excitement here. It's crazy. So you start the season August 6th, the Friday night, uh, 7.30 p.m. local time at home against BC. Then you host Hamilton and then host the Red Blacks and then host the Bombers. You start four straight games in Regina yep. at Mosaic. And then the, your first road game of the season is the Banjo Bowl in September. Yep. First of all, how nice is it in this, you know, still irregular times to see that schedule and see Winnipeg at Saskatchewan September 5th and then Saskatchewan at Winnipeg on the 11th? Well, there were things that, that they had to, like the league had to fight to keep, right? Like there are certain, there are oddities in the schedule. The the Riders play Calgary in three consecutive games with a buy in between. Really? That's, that's weird. Uh, Toronto plays Hamilton four times this season. There's some real oddities in the schedule, but the, the, the real important ones and the ones the writers fought for were things like Labor Day Sunday and the Banjo Bowl. Because no matter when the season starts, as long as you've got that to kind of anchor your football year around and we get those memories of, man, the Riders won that game pretty, pretty nicely on Labor Day and then, oh, the Strevolution just overwhelmed them in the Banjo Bowl. As long as you've got that, you've got some degree of normalcy. And what about uh, the fan component? Every province is going to be different, and obviously here on the 16th of June, we don't know what the COVID situation is going to look like in uh, a month and a half, but what are the targets? What is the optimism that way in Regina? As, as it lies right now, with the rate at which we're, we're getting vaccinated, they, they figure the province figures they can lift all restrictions by July 11th, which is way in advance of the start of the season, and the uh, there was the premier today, Scott Moe, saying that, uh, yeah, I think it'll be just full crowds at Mosaic Stadium come, come August. He's, he's expecting there to be zero restrictions by that point with a good buffer between the earliest the restrictions could be lifted and the start of 
the season. So honestly, that first game back, those poor BC Lions are just going to go deaf with 33,500 people just raining down on poor Mike Riley. So what are you looking at from a, a Rough Riders point of view? What what do they need to prove to start the season? Is it mostly that Cody Fajardo's big season in 2019 wasn't a fluke? That's that's the biggest one by far, right? Because his, his season was phenomenal. He was the West's most outstanding player. He had a fantastic season between his ability to throw the ball, which we'd never really seen in the CFL, and his ability to run the ball, which we had known of, but didn't necessarily know how they would play together. What can he do in year number two? It's kind of the same question that Montreal has to answer with Vernon Adams. It was great in year one, but there's no guarantee that it just gets progressively better, right? And, oh, by the way, uh, the Riders have a new offensive coordinator. And sure, it's Jason Moss, who has a real long track record in the CFL. But again, none of that guarantees that Moss and Fajardo are going to work perfectly together. And this is just a steady uphill climb to first place in the West. So that's that's absolutely the biggest one. He's got uh, the receiving weapons won't be the same for him this year. Manny Arsenault gone. Naaman Roosevelt, who was Mr. Dependable, is gone as well. So, yeah, all the eyes to start with are are going to be on Fajardo as as how's the season going to go? How is Cody going to go the second time around? What about the defense? How do you replace Charleston Hughes is honestly the, the biggest question. They were able to keep their back five intact. They replaced Solomon Elamimian with Larry Dean, which is a really good replacement. They just got Dion Lacey back from the NFL. That is a, that is a huge get. But when you look at this team, so much of, of last year in 2019 was driven on the constant, relentless pressure that Charleston Hughes would get off the edge. Well, Charleston's in Toronto now. So A.C. Leonard, who had, I believe, including the playoffs, 10 sacks. How does that impact his performance? Freddie Bishop, who has had double-digit sacks in the CFL before, now presumably becomes the Charleston Hughes. So will they have that same amount of pressure, that same amount of just tormenting quarterbacks? That's going to be the biggest thing. And if they can't, because very few players are like Charleston Hughes, what else will go right for them to make up for the fact that Charleston's not snowboarding 16 times a season as he stands over a prone quarterback? There's there's so many, like there's a zillion interesting little storylines, and uh, the Bombers are absolutely the same. But that's that's the big one of, I think people here might be underrating just how how important Charleston was to making the whole engine go in 2019. Preseason predictions are doomed to fail in the best of times in this situation this year we haven't seen football in almost two years so we don't know what anyone's gonna look like but from your perspective sitting here in june who is the favorite in the west and who do you feel is probably the the team that's looking at the bottom right now because to me it looks like there could be any anything could happen uh i i'm with you that anything could happen and everything's predictive right because Guys won't have played in essentially two years. Uh, when I look at it right now, if you made me pick one to five in the West today, I would go Edmonton, Winnipeg, Saskatchewan, Calgary, BC at one to five. Uh, and I hate putting the two best quarterbacks in the game four and five, but Winnipeg has returned just about everything. I mean, apart from their boundary defensive backs. So I feel great about that. If Kalaris is healthy, they could easily be first. Edmonton added so much in free agents from other teams and then guys off the street 
at every level. If there was a guy who was nominated as an all-star at tackle, he probably plays for Edmonton right now. That's how, that's how much they've gone into free agency. And I, I love what they've done. The riders are going to be weaker personnel wise than they were in 2019, but maybe better coaching wise. So I'm curious, will they get the 13, the equivalent of 13 wins? I don't know about that. Calgary has lost so much talent. I'm reluctant to put them fifth because, as you know, they're Calgary and Calgary wins double-digit games. But when I look at that roster, I just see so much talent gone and so many question marks that, to me, they're, they're four or five in the West. And it's maybe something in the next 50 days changes my mind, but that's where I'm at right now. What about the East? Obviously, a lot of questions in Toronto and Ottawa where just a ton of changes have been made. And then you've got the Ticats who won 15 games in 2019 but got beasted in the Grey Cup game by the Bombers. I, I, my, I guess I'll give you my rankings right now. I'd say Hamilton, yeah. Montreal, Ottawa, Toronto. I don't think that's, a, that's a, a harsh opinion to take. What do you think? Oh, I, if, if Hamilton figures out who plays left tackle, they could win 13 games this year. Like, they could be 13-1 and one with, the, with the level of talent that they have and that they've added in that time. To me, it's Hamilton by a country mile. And I would have been, I would have been big on Toronto, but Toronto got dealt a brutal schedule, right? Like, half their games are against the two teams that were in the Grey Cup in 2019. Six out of 14. You go, that's, that's particularly harsh on the Argos. I still think I still think Toronto's number two. Montreal, I think, is in for some trouble. But Vernon Adams will not, to me, will not be as good as he was in 2019. And Ottawa, when like, they just lost Jalen Saunders to retirement, which might just be a pause because of injury. Ottawa just doesn't have a ton of talent when you look at them compared to other CFL teams. So I think it is a real long season for the Red Blacks. But uh, to me, it's Hamilton, Toronto, Montreal, Ottawa. So not far off of what you're thinking. So no preseason, no football for over 600 days. How sloppy are the first couple weeks going to be? Oh, I think they're going to be just delightfully sloppy, right? Because, sure, guys will run wrong, wrong routes and guys will have wrong coverages. But here's, here's the way I've been approaching it. If the offense gets something wrong, a guy misses a block, a quarterback might get obliterated. A guy runs a wrong route. We probably don't notice it, but if one guy in coverage screws up, all of a sudden, multiple 80-yard touchdowns in week number one. Like if, if Fajardo sees something go wrong with the halfback who's down a little too low, he's going to signal Shaq Evans, and then we're going to the house. Like it's going to be, I think it's going to be high scoring because though defense may be better equipped to handle this short training camp, when they make a mistake, they're going to be penalized harsher because that's just how – how football rules. So honestly, I think the games are going to be tremendous if you like offensive football, even though um, they might not be technically sound. Let's say that. So what you're saying is pound the over then. Oh, I'm pounding the overs in week number one. Well, we saw that in the NFL. Overs hit hit hard early on. Then everybody kind of figured, you know, we, we found out our, our new normal. But yeah, for me, it's it's heavy in the overs in week number one for sure. And so looking at just the fact that crowds are going to be back in, I mean, it's been such a, a tough time for the CFL, but I get the feeling that August, September, it's just going to rejuvenate this league so much across the country. Well, because it's just been, we didn't know what was happening, and then we were on uncertain terms, and oh my gosh, they're going to lose so much money, even if they play nine games, oh, they're not playing, 
man, they're going to get they're gonna lose 60 to $80 million. How are these clubs going to survive? It, there's just been so much uncertainty and, and gloom and doom that to actually have like that Thursday, right? When we get the great cup rematch, man, these places are just going to explode. Even, even here where this is not bomber country, but man, we're going to be watching that game and just so excited to see it back in uh, August, like August was it August 5th is just going to be such a phenomenal day for all CFL fans that uh, I, I can't wait. And we're, we're doing the everyday countdown 50 to go Christian 50 to go. Perfect. So what do you, f- I mean, we don't know whether in December is going to look like in Hamilton, Ontario. There could be snow squalls in minus 15. It could be 14 degrees. It's impossible to know. But what are you hoping the weather is like for a December 12th Grey Cup? I honestly, I'm fine with any weather conditions. Like if uh, if it's if it's warm, if it's cold, I'm fine with that. What what you just can't have is that 2018 Grey Cup, right? The Calgary Ottawa where when you watch it, you watch the guys and go, why is everybody running so slow toward the line of scrimmage? Oh, right, because the field was a sheet of ice and there was no footing whatsoever. Uh, 17 Grey Cup, it was a snowstorm while the game went on. There's little you can do about that. But as long as the field is in good condition, I will take anywhere between plus 15 and minus 30 because just I want, I want a real good uh, exhibition of, of football uh, in that game and yeah, Hamilton. I mean, Hamilton is a lot further south than a lot of the markets that that teams play in. So I I'm not so worried about December 12th. But I, as I've sworn, any anything that goes on this season, I'm I'm all in because we haven't had football for so long. That's true. So I'll leave you on this, Derek. This the way too early prediction. Who is playing in that game, December 12th? Oh, the Grey Cup in Hamilton. Uh, well, I, let's just take the two teams. I think win their division here seven weeks out. Uh, Edmonton and Hamilton. I the West is going to be so brutal to get out of. I think Hamilton is in there quite easily out of the East, but uh, the West might just be a giant rock fight, like two teams fighting for eight and six and nine and five, and it could be any of the five of them. But right now, I'll just throw out the Elks and the Tie Cats. Just uh, because there's just a lot of talent on those teams and, and good coaching staffs as well. So write it down, folks. Elks Ticats in six months in yeah. Hamilton. Derek, appreciate your time. Thanks for this, and uh, we'll check in as we get closer to the season. Sounds great. That is Derek Taylor. He is the voice of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. Boy, they're pumped about football in Regina. Well, thank you very much for listening to the CJOB Sports Show podcast. If you like what you heard, guess what? You can hear more every weeknight on CJOB from 6.30 to 9 p.m. Of course, that is when the Jets are not playing because if the Jets are playing, then I don't have a show, but I'll be part of the pre- and post-game coverage. Anyway, thanks again for tuning in. Subscribe if you'd like. We're available on iTunes and other places I'd imagine. So farewell until we meet again. So long and thanks for all the fish. So sad that it should come to this day.